Please listen carefully. Hello, and welcome to Caveat Realtor with Virginia Realtors, where we discuss the real issues that realtors face. I'm Erin Barton. And I'm Kate Borslan. Remember, Caveat Realtor is meant to provide general legal information. Nothing we discuss should be considered as legal representation or legal advice. Hi, Kate. Hey, Erin. How, how are you? Doing okay. How are you doing? I am good. Uh, so today we are talking about incapacitated clients, and for some reason this brings to mind my teenager. Ah, <laughs> uh, teenagers. So fun. My uh, teenager thinks that she can do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, that she, sounds about right. Yeah, she is She is all-powerful and uh, can do whatever she wants. Except enter into contracts. Into a legal binding contract. <laughs> that was a beautiful segue, I think. I think that worked nicely. So real estate transactions involve entering into contracts and signing legal documents. But what happens when someone lacks the legal capacity to be, to be bound by those legal documents? How do you protect your client's interests in those cases? So today, as Erin mentioned, we're going to discuss incapacitated clients or clients who do not have the full legal capacity to be bound by legal contracts and what you can do when you learn that a client or another party to the real estate contract is incapacitated. So to get started, what is capacity? What does it mean? Well, capacity is the ability for an individual to make binding amendments to his rights, duties, and obligations. And this is different than physical capacity. A person can be physically incapacitated and still possess the ability to be bound by legal agreements. In general, a person is presumed to have capacity and can only be found incapacitated upon a showing of clear and convincing evidence. Let's talk more specifically about some situations in which someone might not have the capacity to enter into a legal agreement. First, we have legal age, as we mentioned. Teenagers. Teenagers cannot enter into a legal binding contract. Minors defined in Virginia as individuals under the age of 18 lack the capacity to make a contract. Of course, there's a caveat for emancipated minors. Emancipated minors are individuals under the age of 18 who are no longer under the care of parents or guardians and are legally responsible for themselves because of a court order. Okay, so they've been determined to take care of themselves. Yes, by the court, not by their own choice. <laughs> As most teenagers would try to do. Yes. Another version of incapacity is mental capacity. A person must have enough mental capacity to understand the legal agreement he or she is entering into. So as we discussed earlier, a person is assumed to have capacity unless it can be demonstrated that the individual is not able to manage personal affairs in his or her own best interest. It is really important to note that in Virginia, poor judgment alone is not sufficient evidence to determine that an individual is an incapacitated person. You can make a really bad decision, as many bad decisions as you want, kind of. But to have a finding of incapacity, there need to be a demonstration that the person cannot differentiate between a good decision and a bad one. So once you stop understanding the difference, then that might indicate a lack of mental capacity. So there's a few factors to consider when discussing mental capacity. First, individuals can be declared incompetent by a court. For those people, any contract they enter into will be void and unenforceable. 
And alternatively, individuals may be incompetent but have not gone through the judicial process. These people may have some type of temporary incapacity and regain lucidity at a later point. Upon regaining lucidity, that person may choose to void the contract. Alternatively, they can affirm the contract and make it enforceable. If the incapacity is not temporary, a later assigned representative can seek to void the contract on the basis of incapacity. And to do this, the guardian would have to demonstrate that at the time the deed or contract was executed, the individual possessed sufficient mental capacity to understand the nature of the transaction and to agree to its provisions. For situations involving real property, the determination would depend on the facts surrounding the transfer of the property. Another category is intoxicated persons. In Virginia, intoxication is typically not a defense to incapacity. So as drunk as you may be, you might still be bound by a contract. Generally, courts will enforce the contract unless the party knew about the intoxication and took advantage, or if the person claiming intoxication was involuntarily intoxicated. So if they were drugged in some capacity, then that might be a reason not to enforce the contract. But otherwise, be very careful when writing contracts on bar napkins. Exactly. So what happens when there's a contract with an individual who is incapacitated, Kate? So it's interesting. The person without capacity has a right to disaffirm the contract and void it using the defense that the individual lacked the legal capacity to be bound by the contract. But an otherwise competent party cannot void the contract based on the fact that the other party lacks capacity. Basically, it's a personal defense that the incapacitated person can raise, but it's not a defense that the other party can raise against the individual lacking capacity. An interesting issue arises with regard to specific performance. Specific performance is a remedy to a breach in a contract where a court can order the parties to perform the duties and obligations laid out in the contract as if no breach had occurred. So, for example, in the sale of a house, the parties may be ordered to go forward with the sale of the house. Okay, you're going to be ordered to perform exactly what was agreed upon in the contract. It's interesting, though, in Virginia, courts have determined that to constitute a binding contract for the sale of land, both parties must be bound or neither will be bound. Where both parties are not bound, specific performance will always be denied. Essentially, because the incapacitated person cannot be forced to go forward with the sale, neither can the competent party. But in addition, there is also an implied affirmation by the incapacitated individual if he or she continues to benefit from the contract after gaining capacity. Okay, so if you're dealing with an incapacitated client, then how can the transaction move forward? Well, first, if you have concerns about someone's capacity, we absolutely recommend discussing it with your broker if you're an agent, and ultimately an attorney who can advise you on the proper steps. But for minors, you'll want to make sure that a parent or guardian signs on behalf of the minor or that the minor is appropriately emancipated by the courts prior to entering into the contract. This is where it can be really helpful to have those broker policies verifying individuals' identity prior to engaging in buyer brokerage agreements or listing agreements. Obviously, it's probably pretty rare to have a minor actually purchasing a house, but you never know. For adults, you'll want to make sure that the incapacitated adult has documentation authorizing an individual to engage in the real estate transaction on his or her behalf. It might be that the court has designated a conservator. A conservator is a person appointed by the court who is responsible for managing the estate and the financial affairs of an incapacitated person. 
and this can even be assigned on a temporary or limited basis. Alternatively, the individual during a lucid period may have previously engaged in a power of attorney authorizing a particular individual to engage in activities on his or her behalf. And this can be a durable power of attorney transferring unlimited financial powers or a limited power of attorney for certain types of transactions only. Essentially, it's important to confirm that the individuals transacting on behalf of the incapacitated person have the proper legal authority to do so. Again, you'll want to have these documents reviewed by an attorney who can advise you as to their scope and validity. Basically, just always check with an attorney. It'll really protect you in the transactions, right? Absolutely. So let's take it to the legal hotline. First question. I represent the seller in a transaction. The buyer had a heart attack while the house was under contract and is currently in the hospital. Is there still a valid contract? Can we close on the house? You'd want to get some additional information and refer the seller to an attorney if they have any questions about the buyer's capacity. The buyer likely had capacity at the time of entering into the contract, which is what courts look to when assessing the validity of a contract. It's unlikely that the buyer lacks mental capacity following a heart attack. However, if the buyer is unable to sign the legal documents to close on the house, you'd want to confirm that there was an authorized representative who could sign on his behalf. Remember, physical incapacity does not mean that someone automatically lacks the mental capacity to contract. So in the weakened state following the heart attack, it may just be a physical limitation rather than an actual mental issue. Sure, absolutely. Okay, Kate, I represent the buyers in a transaction. I recently learned that the seller received a diagnosis of Alzheimer's before the contract with my buyers was ratified. Do my clients have a valid contract? So as we mentioned earlier, this would definitely be a situation where you'd want to have your buyers seek the advice of an attorney. They'd need to understand whether the seller had capacity at the time of ratification. A a diagnosis of Alzheimer's does not inherently mean that the seller lacked capacity. He or she may still be able to enter into contracts, but you'd want the buyers to confirm this before any issue arose or the seller attempted to claim incapacity as a reason to void the contract. It's At that point, it can be very unknown, so you'd want to definitely have them seek legal advice. Okay, last question. I entered into a buyer brokerage agreement when the client was 17, and the agreement does not expire for another six months. She turned 18 a few months ago and is about to put in an offer on a house using me as her agent. Do we still have a valid buyer brokerage agreement? Minors are generally viewed as lacking the capacity to be bound by a legal contract like we've discussed. However, by turning 18 and continuing to work with you, then the buyer is retaining the benefits of the contract after gaining capacity and may be bound by those terms even though she entered into the contract when she was under the age of 18. So now she's 18, still working with you. You probably still have a contract. Correct. So let's review some ways to limit your risk. Make sure you have policies in place to verify the identities of your clients before engaging in contracts with them. In addition, brokers should have policies regarding what your agent should do if they encounter a client who appears to be incapacitated. And make sure you have policies addressing what types of documents agents should require from individuals representing incapacitated clients. Most importantly, make sure your agents know to contact you and to discuss with an attorney when questions arise regarding an individual's legal capacity. It really is not a determination you or your agents want to be making. Thank you for joining us today. 
Caveat Realtor is a weekly podcast with episodes released every Tuesday. Our podcast is available for streaming through iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Subscribe to our podcast to get automatic updates when we have new episodes, and remember to rate us. Remember, members of Virginia Realtors have access to our legal hotline where we can provide you with legal information. You can access the legal hotline on the Virginia Realtors website under the Legal tab on the For Members section. Make sure you're logged in to see this page. All of the members of this podcast are attorneys. Legal information in this program is not a substitute for personalized legal advice from an attorney licensed to practice in your jurisdiction. The information provided by Virginia Realtors is general reference work as a public service and does not constitute solicitation or provision of legal advice. We provide this general legal information on an as-is basis. We make no warranties and disclaim liability for damages resulting from its use. Legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and laws are constantly changing. The information provided in this program should not be used as a substitute for the advice of competent counsel. This has been a production of Virginia Realtors, copyright 2018. This podcast features the song, Please Listen Carefully by Jazar, available under a Creative Commons attribution share-alike license.